Hello everyone, I'm Kathleen Pelly. Welcome to the special omnibus edition of Journey with Story, where you can listen to all of this month's episodes one after the other. And just so you know, there will be no special intro for the individual stories, no added details and no shout-outs. If you want to hear all of those, then you'll need to listen to the individual episodes and not this version. Got it? Oh, mums, dads, grown-ups, you can download some free colouring sheets at our website, www.journeywithstory.com. Let's take an omnibus journey with story. Now, let's take a journey with The Magic Mouthful. Once upon a time, there was a woman who lived a most unhappy life. She and her husband were always quarrelling. Every day when he came home from work, he was cross and said harsh words to her. She would respond with bitter words and things would go from bad to worse until at last the two of them refused to even talk to each other. One day the woman took her water jar and went to the fountain to fill it as usual. She was so unhappy that great tears were rolling down her cheeks. There was a little old woman standing by the fountain. "'What is the matter, my daughter?' she asked, as she saw the tears upon the poor woman's cheeks. When she had heard all the story, the little old woman took the water jar and filled it at the fountain. "'Go home, my daughter,' she said. "'Keep this water in the jar. The moment your husband says a cross word to you, fill your mouth with the water.' The sad woman thanked her and went to her own house. The next day, when her husband came home, he began to scold as usual. She was about to reply when she suddenly remembered the old woman's advice. She ran to the water jar and filled her mouth with water. To her great amazement, her husband soon stopped scolding. That night, for the first time in many weeks, She went to sleep without an angry heart. Things kept on going well for several days, just as soon as her husband came home cross and said unpleasant things, she would fill her mouth with water from the jar. Then he would soon stop his scolding and grumbling. And now there were smiles instead of tears on the woman's face. At last, however, the water jar grew empty. Once more the woman went to the fountain, hoping that she would again find the little old woman who had given her the magic water. She found her waiting at the fountain. How did my prescription succeed, dear daughter? She asked as soon as she saw her. "'How can I ever thank you for all you have done for me?' cried the woman. "'Now I am happy once more. My husband no longer scolds and chastises me. "'I did not dream that my life could ever be so full of joy. 
Give me, I pray you, some more of the magic water. The little old woman smiled. Dear daughter, she said, the water which I put in your jar is nothing but the water from this fountain. It is the very same which you always carry home. This is the secret. When your mouth is full of water, you cannot reply when your husband says cross words to you. If you do not keep up the quarrel, it soon ends. That is why your life is happy now instead of sad. Go home and whenever your husband says an unkind word, pretend that your mouth is full of water and do not reply. Go in Peace, my child. The woman always remembered this good advice and never again quarrelled with her husband. And after some time, when she had children of her own, she passed this secret on to them. Now it is generally known in the Azores that if one does not want to keep up a quarrel, it is well to pretend that his mouth is full of water. This is the reason why the people of the islands are so peaceful and happy. Let's take a journey with the Rough Face Girl. There was once long ago a large village situated on the border of Lake Ontario. At one end of the village was a lodge in which lived a being who was always invisible. He was a mighty hunter whose spirit guide was the moose. He had a sister who attended to all his wants, and it was known that any girl who was able to see him would marry him. There were many maidens who tried, but none succeeded. In the early evenings, when the Invisible One was supposed to be returning home, his sister would walk down to the lake shore with any of the girls who had come to visit. She could see her brother returning home, since to her he was always visible. And when she saw him, she would say to her companions, Do you see my brother? As it happens, none of these girls could ever see him. However, while some honest girls would say, No, most would answer that they could indeed see him. Then the sister would ask, Of what is his shoulder strap made? Or, as some tell the tale, she would inquire about other things, like his sled harness or his bowstring. They would reply, A strip of rawhide or a green sapling or something of that kind. And, of course, all of them were only guessing. 
and the sister always knew they had not told the truth, and she would turn her face away and reply, Very well, let us return to the wigwam. When they entered the wigwam, she would ask them not to take a certain seat, for it was the seat of the Invisible One. After they had helped to cook supper, they would wait with great curiosity to see her brother eat. And they could always tell that he was a real person, because as soon as he took off his moccasins, they became visible, and his sister would hang them up. They would also see food leaving his birch bark dish and disappear in midair. But beyond that, they would see nothing. Elsewhere in the village, there lived an old man, a widower with three daughters. The youngest of these was very small, weak, and often ill. But this did not prevent her sisters from treating her with great cruelty. They would make her sit close to the burning fire to tend it, and so close was she to the flames and sparks and smoke that after a while her hands and arms became red and scarred and her once beautiful face became pocked and riddled with tiny blemishes. Even her lovely long hair hung limp and lifeless and scorched. After a while, the people called her the Rough Face Girl. When her father returned home from the day, he would ask why the child was so disfigured, and her sisters would promptly say that it was her own fault, for even though the father had forbidden her from going close to the fire, she had done so anyway, and had fallen in. The father would shake his head and wonder what would become of his youngest daughter. One day it occurred to the two older sisters that they should go and try their luck at seeing the Invisible One. They wore their finest clothing and took great effort to look their best. That evening they walked to the end of the village and finding his sister at home, they walked with her down to the water. Then, when the Invisible One came and his sister asked if they saw him, they said, Certainly, and also replied to the question of the shoulder strap or sled harness, saying, A piece of rawhide. Of course they could not actually see him, and they got nothing for their lies, and eventually went home, disappointed. When their father returned home that evening, he brought with him many pretty little shells, and the next day the two older sisters began to string them into beads. And while they busied themselves, a rough-faced girl decided it was time for her to see whether she might catch sight of the Invisible One. Having no clothes beyond a few rags and knowing that she would get nothing from her sisters, 
She went off into the woods and found a few sheets of birch bark to make herself a dress and leggings, and she decorated them by scraping figures on the bark. Then she found a pair of her father's old moccasins, stiff with age, and soaked them in water so that they would become flexible enough to wear. Finally, she begged her sisters for a few shells. The older sister just scoffed at her, but the middle sister, feeling sorry for her, threw her a few of the smallest shells. So, poor rough-faced girl, dressed in birch bark and shells and wearing her father's great old moccasins, which came nearly up to her knees, started across the village to try her luck. And if her sister's scorn was not bad enough, little rough-faced girl's courage was sorely tested even more because the entire village erupted in laughter and ridicule as she passed them by. Her sisters tried to shame her into returning home, but she would not obey and carried on to the door of the Invisible One's lodge despite all the teasing from the villagers. Some say that a spirit had inspired her and walked with her to give her strength. And this may indeed be so. The Invisible One's sister stared in surprise at her young visitor. And then she said, You are welcome. And she treated her with great kindness. As usual, rough-faced girl helped prepare the evening meal And when the sun was nearly down, the Invisible One's sister led her to the lake. My brother comes, she said. Do you see him? Little rough-faced girl gazed along the shore. I'm not sure. Then her eyes lit in wonder. Yes, I see him. But how can there be? be such a one. The sister looked at her curiously. What is his shoulder strap made from? His shoulder strap is is a rainbow. The sister's eyes grew wide. And his bowstring? His bowstring is the Milky Way. His sister smiled. Let us return to the wigwam. When they reached the wigwam, the Invisible One's sister took the strange clothes off rough-faced girl, and she washed her with water from a special jar. Under her gentle hands, the young girl's scars disappeared, leaving her skin shining and smooth. She also combed rough-faced girl's hair, and as she did, It grew down to her waist, black and gleaming as a raven's wing and ready for braiding. It had been so long since anyone had treated poor rough-faced girl so kindly that her joy and gladness overflowed, making her face ablaze with a beauty beyond words. Then the sister opened a chest and took out a beautiful wedding outfit and asked Rough-Faced Girl to wear it. 
she had just put it on when a deep voice said, Greetings, my sister. Rough faced girl turned to the entrance and stared at the magnificent young hunter. She saw surprise light his face when their eyes met. Greetings, my brother, said the sister. You are discovered at last. The invisible one walked over to rough faced girl and took her hands in his. For years I have waited to find a woman of pure heart and brave spirit. Only such a one could see me, and now that I have found you, shall you be my bride? And so they were married. And from then on, Rough Face Girl had a new name, The Lovely One. Like her husband, she too had kept herself hidden, waiting for the right person to find her. And now that she had that person's love, she was hidden no more. Now, let's take a journey with a story from India, the princess who vowed not to marry. Long ago in India, there once lived a Raja's daughter. Raja is just an Indian word for a king or a prince. And this daughter was both beautiful and clever. One day, when she was out riding, she saw a terrible fire raging through the forest. In one of the trees, there was a family of birds, and the mother bird was desperately trying to save her babies. But the father bird just flew away and abandoned them to their fate. The princess fumed with rage to see the plight of the mother bird and her babies. At once she spurred her horse and galloped as fast as the wind back to the palace, where she rounded up all of her servants, ordering them to come at once to fight the fire. How cruel and unreliable male creatures are, she thought. And surely it is the same whether they be bird or beast or human. And in that very moment... The princess vowed never to marry. 
But her parents were distraught to hear such noise. But why would you decide such a thing? they wailed. The princess only shook her head and refused to talk any more on the matter. Soon everyone in the land learned that the princess had made a vow never to marry. Now, about this time it happened that a young artist paid a visit to the Raja's court, and he was instructed to draw a portrait of the young princess. But when he had finished, instead of giving it to the princess or her parents, he quietly stowed it away in his knapsack and took off for the city. Ha! Oh, just like a man, scoffed the princess when she realised what he had done. Meanwhile, the young artist had arrived in another city to visit another Raja. And when this Raja saw the portrait of the princess, he immediately offered the artist a large amount of money in exchange for it. Later that evening, the Raja's son saw the portrait, and in an instant, he fell madly in love with the princess. But when he tried to find out who she was, no one in all the city could tell him. The poor prince was heartbroken, and his father at once sent messengers out to bring back the artist, hoping that he could tell them where to find this beautiful princess. But the artist had travelled far, far away to a distant land, and no one could find him, no matter how hard they tried. Now, the young prince had a sister, Nami, and she could not bear to see her brother so downhearted. So she decided to set off on her own and find this princess herself. She disguised herself as a man and crept out of the castle, taking with her the portrait and a set of paints and an easel, for she too was also something of an artist. For days at a time she travelled all across the land, showing the portrait to everyone she met. But no one recognised the lovely girl in the portrait until one day Nami met an old woman who told her, Ah, that is the princess who vowed never to marry. Nami's heart sank to hear such news, but still she refused to give up her quest. With the old woman's directions, she found the princess's castle and sat outside with her easel and her paints and brushes until the Raja himself caught sight of her. He invited her to enter the castle to show him her art. And so much did he like her work that he asked her to paint murals on all the walls in the princess's quarters. Everyone in the palace gasped with pleasure to see such beautiful art. And one day, Nami found herself alone with the princess's best friend who had come to admire the murals she had heard so much about. Why is it that the princess vowed not to marry? she asked. It is a secret, whispered the friend. You must promise not to tell a soul. Of course, Nami eagerly agreed, and then the friend told her all about the fire in the forest and the family of birds whose father abandoned them. Now Nami knew exactly what to do. 
she began by painting a picture of an antelope family, where the antelope father was saving his young from a fire. Off to the side was a handsome prince, who looked exactly like Nami's brother. When the princess saw the painting, she demanded, Artist, tell me, what is the meaning of this picture? Oh, princess, Nami replied in her best man's voice, this picture shows something that really happened to the prince in my land. When he was out hunting in the forest, he came across this scene of an antelope protecting his young. From that day on, he believed that only males were faithful and reliable, and females were not to be trusted. Since that day, he has vowed never to marry. How oh, very strange, mumbled the princess. That means males can be true, and females not true. Hmm, perhaps there are two sides to everything, and maybe it is up to each of us, whether male or female, to be wise and strong and faithful. I am glad to hear you say that, princess, said the artist with a smile. Nami finished up her work at the castle that very day and hurried away as fast as she could. Her paintings were much admired and treasured by all who saw them but most of all by the princess, who little by little began to fall more and more in love with the prince in the picture. When Nami arrived home, she could barely wait to share her good news with her brother. The princess will see you now, she announced with great joy. Thank you, sweet sister. No brother could ever wish for a better sister than you. And as he raced out of the palace, he called back to her, but wait, why Why are you dressed up as a boy? Nami just grinned as she watched her brother ride away, galloping across the land to find his beloved princess, who had vowed never to marry. And of course, when the prince found her and asked her to be his bride, she forgot all about her vow because she had fallen so much in love and a grand wedding was held with such festivity and rejoicing as never had been seen before in all the land. And to this very day, no one ever knew Nami's secret. Now, let's take a journey with the three brothers. There once lived three brothers who were known throughout the land for the tall tales they told. They would travel from place to place, telling their outrageous stories to anyone who would listen. Of course, no one ever believed their tales, and all who heard them would shriek with disbelief. 
One day, while travelling very far from home, the three brothers came upon a wealthy prince. The prince was dressed very grandly, from head to toe, bedecked in sparkling jewels, the likes of which the brothers had never seen before. So enchanted were they at the sight of the prince's majestic garments, that they were overcome with envy and greed, and at once began to hatch a plan whereby they could use their story-telling skills to trick the prince into giving them his garments. They said to the prince, Let's tell each other stories of past adventures, and if anyone should doubt the truth of what the other is saying, then that person must become a slave to the others. Now the brothers had no use for a slave, but if they could make the prince their slave, then they could take his clothes, because they would then belong to them. The prince agreed to their plan. The brothers were sure they would win, because no one had ever heard their stories without uttering cries of disbelief. And so they found a passerby and asked him to act as judge in the matter. All sat down under the shade of a tree and the storytelling began. The first brother stood up to tell his tale. With a smile on his face, he began to speak. When I was a young boy, I thought it would be fun to hide from my brothers. So I climbed up the tallest tree in our village and remained there all day while my brothers searched high and low for me. When night fell, my brothers gave up the search and returned home. It was then I realised I was unable to climb down the tree. But I knew I could get down with the help of a rope, so I went to the nearest cottage and borrowed a rope and was then able to climb down the tree and return home. Do you hear how silly this is? How could he possibly go and get a rope if he can't climb down the tree in the first place, right? When the prince heard this ridiculous story, he did not make a comment, but merely stood and waited for the next story to begin. The three brothers were quite surprised, but were sure that the prince would not believe this second story, and so the second brother began his tale. day when my brother hid from us, I was searching for him in the forest. I saw something run into the bushes, and thinking it was my brother, I ran in after it. When I got into the bushes, I saw that it was not my brother, but a huge, hungry tiger. He opened his mouth to devour me, and I jumped inside and crawled into his belly before he could chew me up. When inside, I started jumping up and down and making loud, fierce noises. The beast did not know what was happening and became so frightened that he spat me out with such force that I travelled several hundred feet through the air and landed back in the middle of our village. And so though I was but a young lad, I saved our whole village from the fearful tiger because never again did the beast come near our village. After this story, the prince once again made no comment. 
he merely asked that the third story begin. The three brothers were quite upset by this, and as the last brother began his tale, he had quite a frown upon his face. But he was still quite determined to make up a story so absurd that the prince could not this time help but doubt its truthfulness. And so he began his tale. One day, as I was walking along the banks of the river, I saw that all the fishermen seemed quite unhappy. I inquired as to why they seemed so sad, whereupon they informed me that they had not caught one fish in a week, and their families were going hungry as a result. I told them I would try and help them. So I dove into the water and was immediately transformed into a fish. I swam around until I saw the source of the problem. A giant fish had eaten all the smaller fish and was himself avoiding the fisherman's nets. When this giant fish saw me, he came toward me and was about to devour me. But I changed back to human form and slashed that fish open with my sword. All the fish inside his belly were then able to escape. Many swam right into the waiting nets, and when I returned to shore, many of them were so grateful for my help that they followed me and jumped onto the shore as I landed there. When the fishermen saw all these fish jumping onto the shore after me, they were indeed pleased, and they rewarded me abundantly. When this story was finished, the prince did not doubt a word of it. The three brothers were quite upset, but at least they knew that they would not doubt the words of the prince, and so the prince began his tale. I am a prince of great wealth and property. I am on the road in search of three slaves who have escaped from me. I have searched high and low for them, as they were very valuable property. I was about to give up the search when I met you three fellows. But now my search is ended because I have found my missing slaves, because you gentlemen are they. When the brothers heard these words, they were shocked. If they agreed to the prince's story, then they were admitting that they were his slaves. But if they doubted what he said, then they lost the bet and became his slaves anyway. The brothers were so upset by the cleverness of the prince that they said not a word. The passer-by who was judging the contest nevertheless declared that the prince had won the wager. The prince did not make slaves of these men, but instead he allowed them to return to their village with the promise that they would never ever tell tall tales again. And the three brothers were thereafter known throughout the land for their honesty and truthfulness.
I hope you enjoyed all of our stories for this month. And if you subscribe to our Patreon page, you can enjoy even more perks and resources. Here's to stories aplenty that fill our hearts with grace and goodness, hope and light, so that we remember, as my favourite poet says, All shall be well, all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Be well, my friends, be well, and join me next time for Journey with Story. Music and post-production was by Colette Jonas.